And Lord, as we look in your word this morning, I pray that you'll open the eyes of our understanding so that we can see the wonderful things you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're bread fans at our house, and uh, when we go to Lawrence or Panera's here in town once in a while, we like to pick up. In fact, we stock up at Great Harvest in Lawrence. We buy five or six loaves at a time. They're kind of pricey. And then bring them home and eat them one at a time, you know, pull them out of the freezer, but it's great bread. But normally if, if I mention bread to you or if bread, you know, as an image comes to your mind, a lot of us would see uh, the Wonder Bread kind of image. You know what I mean? Which is it's this bleached white bread. It has no nutritional value left in it unless they add the vital minerals and nutrients to it, you know, as they tell us they do. But it's this stuff that's so, in a sense, lifeless. You can take it, roll it up in a little dough ball, you know, and you wonder, what are you really eating? What are you really getting? <clears throat> you know, this, our refined sense of bread today, what most of us probably grew up on, maybe had for toast this morning at breakfast, is not the kind of bread that mankind throughout history has been eating. This refined three times bread that we are used to is not the kind of bread that humanity throughout history has eaten. You know, this stuff is the full grain stuff with all the goodies in it. This is what people have enjoyed throughout history. Bread is, uh, in fact, if you think about it, most meals probably served throughout the history of the world comprised or were entirely of bread. It's said that the, uh, of the uh, pyramids, you know, these are the most enduring physical structures of all time, there's a phrase that said the pyramids were built on beer and bread and not drunken workers, but beer was the beverage of the Egyptians typically. You know, most many people in the ancient world didn't have clear water, good water, so they used diluted wine or a beer as their beverage of choice. But anyway, it was a, the product of grain. It was beer and bread, or bread has been called the staff of life the staff of life, because for most of our history, bread has been that nourishment that has sustained us at our most basic level. It's been bread. So if you think about bread this morning, don't think about wonder bread. Think about a hearty whole grain bread from Great Harvest in Lawrence or something along that line. <clears throat> you know, we are so spoiled in our culture because materially we have so much. So if you go to the grocery store, you know, 20 different cuts of meat, seafoods, junk food, pastries, fruits, vegetables. The truth is we have at our disposal at any local grocery store, we have more food than our parents, in their childhood at least, or anyone back from them could ever have imagined. We're so spoiled that we tend to take simple things for granted like bread. And if we take bread for granted, we'll miss the point of the text this morning that we're in, which is, John 6, and this is more of what's called the bread of life discourse. And I confess when I'm in some of these passages, both because of their theological value and because of their emotional value to me in the past, I feel that I'm treading on holy ground and that I'll never be able to do justice to the passage. But I think if we come into this with a sense, some sense anyway, of the value that the ancient world placed on bread, that it wasn't a filler, it wasn't fluff, it wasn't something that was on the side of your plate at meal. This was life. Bread was seen as life. 
then we won't go far wrong in getting out of it what Jesus is wanting to talk to the Jews about in his day and to us this morning about. So we're not talking about this cheap wonder bread. We're talking about a rich, full-bodied bread, the stuff of life. Now it's been, this will make six weeks since we've been in John 6. So let me just recap so that we're all hitting the ground running this morning when we pick up at verse 48. If you remember in John 6, the crowds were following Jesus initially because they saw some healings. A little boy got healed at least. And then up there on the north end of the lake at Bethsaida, he fed them miraculously from that little boy's lunch, which was barley bread and fish, probably small salted fish from the Sea of Galilee there. And now they're following him around the lake. Why? Because they want that next meal. Jesus says you follow not because of the miracles, but because I fed you. And if you remember earlier, he said, guys, change your perspective. Don't work so hard for a meal, the bread that's going to perish, but think more about a bread that will last you forever. And some of the phrases that will be in verses 48 through 59, we've already seen, and we'll recap some of those in a little bit, but that's the context in which we jump in this morning. Jesus talking to them about food to point them to life. Starting at John 6, verse 48. I am, Jesus says, the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This, referring to himself, this is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews therefore began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also shall live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread shall live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And remember, Capernaum is just across the top end of the Sea of Galilee from Bethsaida. So, Jesus talking to these folks who are following him, when he wants to put the emphasis that he is the source of life, he tells them he is the bread of life. That's the way, that's the phrase he uses, or the imagery. Jesus says, you want life? Well, listen, I'm the bread of life. Now, we're going to talk more about the bread of life, but I want to clear a couple of obstacles before we do. The first is this. Is Jesus talking about cannibalism? Is Jesus talking about cannibalism? If you remember, there's an old Robert Heinlein book, and in it, uh, when they know each other, they grok each other, they consume each other at their death. Is Jesus talking about cannibalism, consumption? Of course, I hope you know the answer is no, he's not. Uh, at least for a couple of reasons. 
Think, though, about the impact of his words when he said this to the Jews. Now, we know it says they began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now, apart from other considerations, these are Jews. And you remember that any body to them, any human body, would render them unclean. To even touch someone who had died, much less consume them, would be to be made unclean. Now, beyond that, of course, the Jews were forbidden to drink, to consume any blood. So, Jesus could not have been more vulgar, in a sense, to this audience than he was in saying, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. This was hard for them to stomach, if you will. This was a hard saying for them to, to, to accept, and of course, which he'll talk about later here in the end of the chapter. He couldn't have painted a more revolting picture if he'd wanted to. But think about this. If eternal life, cannibalistically speaking, meant eating his flesh, only those present at the time could have had eternal life, right? And then they would have had to dole out pieces of Jesus as small as they could because he'd want maximum benefit for his earthly tabernacle. And of course, that would mean that all of us born after him could never have eternal life because... He was eaten a long, long time ago, and there's none of him left. So if we, we're just clearing hurdles here, but this isn't cannibalism, is it? It's not cannibalism, even though he's talking quite graphically. And when they ask him about it, he kind of ups the ante, doesn't he? Uh, I think part of the reason for this is uh, Jesus, in the end, demands our allegiance with, in a sense, no questions. That is... He says unapologetically, he is the source of life. And no matter what else you are confounded by, put off by, whatever, he is still the bottom line. So with this group, he ups the ante. He doesn't back down and say, oh, no, you misunderstood me. But he continues to talk in this figure of speech, this analogy about consuming him to get eternal life. But it's spiritually speaking, it's not cannibalism. The second thing I want to ask is, is Jesus talking here about the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper. And I would, the answer to my own question is, no, he's not. And the reason I say this is, some churches, some denominations teach that, based in part on John 6, on this passage, that at what's called the Lord's Supper or communion, that the elements, the bread and the wine, physically, substantially change to become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. That's one teaching. Or similarly, that during the Lord's Supper or communion, when those elements are blessed or prayed over, it's not that they in their substance change into the body and blood of Jesus, but that Jesus mystically, spiritually, joins himself with those elements so that they become the body and blood of Jesus. Now, Theologically, uh, I don't believe these are good arguments, but in the context of John 6, this has nothing to do with the Lord's Supper. Even though we're going to have the Lord's Supper in a little while, and I think this passage is great, Toby, to be thinking about related to that. It's great imagery for us, and we'll talk just a little bit about that at the end. This is not the Lord's Supper. Jesus will institute that later, and he'll talk about my body and my blood and bread and wine and juice, but that's not here. Remember the context. John 6 is a long chapter. It's over 70 verses long. It's a long chapter. But the point through all of John 6 is believing in Jesus for eternal life. 
So this is not about transubstantiation or consubstantiation. It's not teaching theology about the elements that we consume when we remember Christ in his death and resurrection. That also is not what the passage is talking about. Well then, what is Jesus talking about? We're not cannibals, and we're not talking about the Lord's Supper. What is Jesus talking about? I want to go back into John 6 to highlight this. If we read this passage isolated from the rest of the context, we might scratch our head. I think it's fairly clear, but we might still wonder about some things. But let's set this in the larger context of John 6. And let me highlight, by the way, let me read some things, some passages out of John 6, the passage we just read. Jesus says about the bread which comes down from heaven, verse 50, one may eat of it and not die, this bread that is him. Verse 51, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Verse 54, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 56, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And verse 58, he who eats this bread shall live forever. Now let's read some other verses out of John 6. Back at verses 27, 28, and 29, Jesus tells those, this same group that had followed him, don't work for the food that perishes. Guys, you're working hard, following after me for food that just lasts for a meal and then it's gone. Work for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you, for on him the Father, even God, has set a seal. They say, reasonably, what shall we do that we may work the works of God and get eternal life? Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. This is the same subject in the bread of life. It's the same subject. How do I get eternal life? Jesus has already told us. You believe in the Son of Man. You believe in the one the Father sent. It's clear that Jesus, in talking about himself as the bread of life and as eating my flesh and drinking my blood, is saying the same thing he's already stated. That is, he wants us to believe in him. We don't need to eat a corpse or drink blood to get eternal life but it's another image it's another way of seeing and saying the same thing do you want eternal life believe in Jesus and trust yourself to Christ John 6 verse 40 this is the will of my father that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him may have eternal life and I myself will raise him up on the last day do you want to be raised up to eternal life on the last day Jesus says in verse 40 Believe, And in verse 54 in our text this morning, he says, Those who eat and drink him, I will raise him up on the last day. Same phrase. What does it mean to eat and drink Jesus? It means to believe in him. Verse 47, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Verse 58 of our, out of our text this morning, He who eats this bread shall live forever. So Jesus is not saying something different than he's already said. He's reiterating the same point. Do you want to live forever? Believe on Jesus. This is a different way of saying the same thing. It's a different image. Do you want to live forever? Then eat a bread that will give you life that lasts forever. And what kind of bread will do that? Jesus himself is that kind of bread. Jesus himself can give you life, nourishment, if you will, that lasts forever. Now, 
I think on one level, this is a great illustration, and you guys know all illustrations break down at some point. You know, when you read the Gospels and Jesus is telling a parable, generally in a parable or in a story or in a comparison, there's a single point that's trying to be emphasized. If you try and make every point work, tit for that, for tat, this for that, it breaks down. All comparisons do. But this imagery of Jesus as the bread of life, that you eat this person and you gain life that lasts forever, this is a great illustration. Think of it like this. If I eat a piece of bread today, that bread goes down into my stomach, becomes part of my digestive system. That bread is broken down into its more uh, it's, it's lower elements, molecules, whatever. It's absorbed into my bloodstream, carried throughout my body. And then that bread, what was that bread, becomes me, right? You are what you eat, literally. Why? Well, because the elements, the molecules that were that piece of bread, it's now joined to me, inextricably. You couldn't separate the bread from me once it's throughout my system because the nutrition from that bread becomes my bone and my tissue, my muscle, my connective tissue, the cells, blood cells, you name it. That bread's in me, and guess what? I'm in the bread. This thought of eating and nutrition and something becoming a part of you and you becoming a part of it, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. And he says that when we believe in him, it's like eating that piece of bread that he becomes part of us, and he is in himself eternal life. He becomes a part of us, and we become a part of him. So this, to me, this is the beauty of the illustration. On one hand, if you talk about it in a cannibalistic fashion, it sounds repulsive. But when you think about what it signifies, something comes into me. It becomes a part of me. I become a part of it. If I eat a normal piece of bread, it sustains me, becomes a part of me, sustains me for a limited duration. But boy, if you could give me a piece of bread that was in itself eternal life, then all I'd have to do is eat that slice of bread. And because it becomes a part of me and I become a part of it, then I would gain the quality of that bread, eternal life. And Jesus says, guys, this is what I've got for you. I am that kind of nutrition. I am that kind of bread. I'm something that when you receive me into yourself, into your life, you gain the benefit of my nutrition. You gain the quality that I have within myself, which is eternal life. So I love it for this reason. You want to eat something? Eat a slice of this kind of bread, Jesus says, and you'll live forever. Now remember, for the Jews, these guys, they know about bread. They live on bread. Not only that, but in the context of the talk this morning and earlier, Jesus has reminded them about manna. And if you remember, they're saying to Jesus, if you're really the Messiah, feed us again, because boy, that's what Moses did. We got that manna. And Jesus says, you know, the manna, the bread from heaven, it was good in its day, in its time, it was a good thing. But you know, your fathers ate that bread. It became a part of them. They became a part of it. But what happened to them? They died. They died in the wilderness. Jesus says the difference between that manna, which was a picture of Christ, that manna, and me is that when you eat me, his phrase, that is when you receive me, when you entrust yourself to me, you get a life that never ends. 
By this, by the way, Jesus clearly does not mean that we do not die physically. Any more than in John 11, when he talks to Mary and Martha, he says, those who believe in me will never die. He doesn't mean physically, because clearly he speaks this in the context of physical death. But that spiritually we will never die. We will never see death, second death. In fact, if you look in the book of Revelation, <clears throat> there's two kinds of death. Death is always a separation, by the way. Death is a separation of the spirit from the body. But there's a second death. And, and in the book of Revelation, it says the first death is when you and I die. That is physically our soul, our spirit leaves our body. That's one kind of death. The second death, though, Jesus says, is the lake of fire. That is eternal separation from God. That's the ultimate death. Jesus is talking about ultimate death and ultimate life. And so he is less concerned with the physical separation of our soul and body, physical death, than he is about second death. He's more concerned about the life that lasts forever than he is the brief life we have here on earth. So he's not saying, obviously, that we will not see physical death. He's saying we will never see spiritual death, the death that matters. Everyone will die. The question is, will we die twice and the, the solution to that is if you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. Got that? Born once, die twice, physically and spiritually. If you're born twice, that is born once and born second time through rebirth, through faith in Christ, you die once, physically. Physically and only physically. If you have believed in Christ, if you have trusted Christ, you have eaten him. You have fulfilled his commandment here in John 6, the bread of life discourse. You've done it. He's a part of you and you're a part of him. He's in you and you're in him. And you right now have eternal life. So that if you died today, you will never see a second death. There's no fear of second death. You have life that lives forever. And as Jesus says here, he will raise you up on the last day. That is, you'll gain a resurrection body like his own to live with him forever. So if you've believed, you've eaten. You've eaten his flesh, you've drunk his blood. That's the point, believe. I want to carry it just a little further than that this morning too, though, as far as application using the imagery of the manna in the wilderness for the Jews, do you remember God's commandment to them? It was this, every day go out in the morning and pick the stuff up off the ground. Gather enough for yourself and your household. Don't gather more than you can use in a day, except on the Sabbath. You gather enough the day before the Sabbath for two days. If you gather too much and you keep it over, it'll rot. It'll spoil, and it did, of course, as they found out. So I want you to go out every morning, he said, gather up that manna, and you'll have the bread that will sustain you for that day. You'll have the bread you need for that day. If we carry that application over to this morning, the main point here from Jesus is believe and live. Believe, believing is consuming Jesus. It is taking him into your very life and gaining eternal life. But if we continue with the application along with the manna, let me encourage you to go further than that. And it's this. 
see Jesus not just as the bread of life, he's showing himself to us as this morning, but as the manna. And then what do you have to do? Well, the manna you ate yesterday, it won't sustain you today. We're pretty good about eating in the United States. We're pretty good about three squares a day, you know, most of us are. Most of us don't get too little. Physically, that is. Many of us, if not most of us, get too little spiritually, though. And think about Jesus and this John 6 discourse in this light, too. If I've come to Christ for eternal life, that's good. But pursue him as the bread of life every day, just like the Jews in the wilderness did, the manna. And that is, go and meet with the Lord every day, just like they went out in the morning and gathered that manna. Meet with the Lord in your Bible every day and get to know Christ better. And that becomes like your daily provision for bread or manna. That is, you're feeding on Christ as he reveals himself to you through the scriptures, through his word. Today's bread won't last you for tomorrow. You've got to get up every morning and get that fresh loaf of manna. And when you and I greet each new day, we should be greeting it like the Jews did, but we should be feeding on the bread of life. It's not that we're going to lose our salvation if we don't meet with the Lord, but we're going to gain the nutrition and the strength and the sustenance we need each day as we meet with the Lord and feed on Him in His Word. The other thing we do is we pour our heart out to Him in prayer, and thereby we abide with Him and He's in us. So this this is a once-for-all-time thing, and the most important point, that is, when we entrust ourselves to Him, we believe in Him, we gain eternal life. But don't stop there. Feed yourself spiritually each day as the Jews ate the manna, and slice yourself off a chunk of that living bread when you get up in the morning. Read your Bible. And don't just read to get information. Ask the Lord, Lord, show me something more about yourself today when I meet with you in your word. Since you're in me and I'm in you, let me gain some more of a sense of your presence and your reality and who you are and what you're like as I meet with you in the scriptures this morning. Give me the strength I need to face today as I meet with you in the word this morning. Feed my soul today as I meet with you. And help me unload myself. Help me to abide in you by telling you the things that are issues in my life today. Many of us, if not most of us, are on a spiritual starvation diet. Not even a South Beach or Atkins. We're on the starvation diet because we're not eating. We're not eating. It's great. The, the ultimate thing, the ultimate thing is eternal life. Guys, if nothing else happened to you in this life, if you live the most miserable life recorded in history and went to heaven, you've got a good life. You've got eternal life. But you know, the truth is God saves us and then he gives us this life, the lifespan, whatever it is that we have, short or long, to live out on earth. He doesn't mean these to be wasted time, wasted years. This is time to get to know him. It's time to enjoy life, the life he gives us. And we do that by feeding on him daily. So believe on him for eternal life, Jesus reiterates in the text this morning, but also go to him every day for the nourishment and the sustenance that you need and I need every day to get through another day and do it well. Not as spiritual weaklings, but those who have the strength to do the tasks that we face.
This is what we need to do. Later on during our worship time, Toby's going to introduce the Lord's Supper. And when you think of the Lord's Supper, Toby's going to introduce that with a meditation or a scripture or a prayer. Think about this passage, not that Jesus is talking about the elements becoming something that they're not. They're images for us to remember him in his great love for us. But think of him also in the context of this morning's text as the bread of life. Jesus, he says, my flesh is the bread I give for the life of the world. I believe that is an illustration. It's an illusion to the crucifixion. His body was broken. His flesh was crucified on the cross so that we could live. So when you think about Jesus this morning during the Lord's Supper and take the elements, think about it in the context of the one that not only died for our sins and rose again, but the one that sustains us in himself as the bread of life. And that believing in him, we are eating his flesh. Believing in him, we are drinking his blood. And think about that as you take the Lord's Supper this morning. We gave our daughters each a Bible for Christmas, or re-gave Bibles for Christmas. And this is what we wrote in the front of each of those Bibles. Eat to live, feast to really live. So let me encourage you, Eat to live, spiritually, and feast to really live. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, wonder of wonders is that you came to the earth and took on our humanity, loved us so much that you died on the cross in our place. And Lord, you gave your life for ours. Your body was broken. Your blood was spilled out. You endured death, death on a cross, becoming sin in our place, Lord, so that we could have life. Lord Jesus, you are in yourself life and eternal life and fullness of life. Lord, help us, we who have come to believe in you for eternal life, help us to feed on you each day for the spiritual nourishment our souls need, Lord. Help us to abide in you day by day. We know that you abide in us. Lord, help us to value what you value, which is getting to know you more and more fully. And Lord, I pray that each bite we take, each time we taste you afresh in the scriptures or in worship or in the testimony of others, Lord, help us to find you fully satisfying fully nourishing, fully, Lord, desirable. Lord, help us not just to eat a little, but help us to feast on you and with you and live. In Jesus' name, amen.